No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast. Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Torre coming to you guys. And uh, obviously, uh, slow news week in Gainesville. Not too much uh, uh, happening here. Uh, so not a lot to talk about, right, Nick? Yeah, uh, it's kind of it's uh, the offseason. You just got to make stuff up. Uh, so, you know, hey, maybe a top 10 list of Florida Mount Rushmore. Uh, not much going on. Yeah, well, uh, right now it uh, remains to be seen if uh, Jaden Rashada could end up on that Mount Rushmore's list. Uh, hopefully, by the time you guys are listening to this, maybe on a Friday, if you're saving it for a road trip, this uh, Jaden Rashada situation that's played out in Gainesville this week will be resolved. Uh, and I think everybody's on standby waiting. And uh, for those that have, haven't kept up with all the craziness that happened with that this week, uh, the Gators welcome their early enrollees to campus for the start of the spring semester. Majority of their 2023 class, actually. And one of those guys, however, that did not make it in and was scheduled to was Jaden Rashada. And initially, uh, Gators Online, some of the other media outlets uh, were told that it was a transcript issue. But as the week played out, we kind of come to find out that it was more so NIL-related and certainly played out that way throughout Wednesday as uh, different news reports continue to come out from uh, what's kind of turned into a fiasco, Nick. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate it's kind of taken away from the other guys that have been rolled and the fact that the Gators got so many in mid-year. Um, now there's just so much focus on this one guy, but it's the crown jewel of your class. It's the most important position uh, on the field. And the Gators got to get this situation resolved otherwise um you know the future and and when he or if he'll make it to campus is going to be in doubt yeah um and to me this is bigger than just one player uh bigger than just even the quarterback in, in your class college football circles are small um nil circles and the agents and coaches and players and families that um, are dealing with NIL, which is ever evolving. Um, those circles are even smaller. And yeah. uh, based on reports, it would seem that there's a number out there, rather large number for uh, for a uh, guy who hasn't taken a snap in college football. And if the perception even is that Florida made an offer and then can't pay it, how does that affect your recruiting going forward? Um, and, and what do, you know, we used to say, hey, uh, Nick Saban says, you know, they've been saying I'm going to retire every year in terms of negative recruiting. Um, when it comes down to dollars and cents, that's a lot different than saying, hey, the coach might not be there. Because at this point, you're like, yeah, uh, coaches coaches leave every three to four years anyway. That's not a big deal. Yeah. But if you're talking about, you know, messing with people's pockets now, um, it's it's a big hurdle that Florida needs to, to address. And, and it's something that I think that if it's not addressed and fixed or – uh, a resolution doesn't come this week or, or something's not fixed in, in the coming weeks and months that it's something that could affect Florida long-term. Yeah. A couple of things that I think it's important that we be clear about. And I think maybe there's some confusion or uncertainty about who to point fingers at here. I mean, the everyone's looking Nick for a scapegoat. The, yeah. And the issues that, that need to get straightened out that, that Nick is referring to are NIL related uh and nil based uh and with that being said this is not a billy napier problem this is not an issue with his coaching staff um in, in terms of you know the recruiting aspect of being able to sign guys and, and i would even go as far to say um you know this is a pretty isolated incident i don't think that florida's going to find themselves in many recruitments like this unless they go after cormani mclean again um you know, the other guys that they signed and, and got to campus, there was no drama with. All those guys got are, are probably getting NIL deals, and there's no issue there. So it's when you get into these bidding wars and these type of battles that you find yourselves in situations like this. But, I, you know, we had to kind of uh, explain some of it on the, the message board this week, Nick, but how the structure of Florida's collectives work and where the money comes from and what the Gator Collective's role is in this, I mean – uh, you know, based on our understanding, Nick, I mean, this is not a, this is not a Gator collective issue. Uh, you know, this is, uh, no. 
th this is now the Gator Collective. They are basically the the entity that signs athletes to the deals and they make sure that those deals get facilitated and, and obligations are met and that the athletes get paid. That's their role in this process. And then they are obviously contributing to the NIL deals with fan donations. But the, the big NIL deals for Florida's top football players and Florida's top basketball players and Florida's top athletes, those come from, you know, some, some people that are donating more and sponsoring these teams and these athletes like Hugh Hathcock with Gator Guard, like Gary Condren with the baseball team, Chandler Parsons, uh, you know, with UF Hoops and some other folks that have contributed there. But, you know, Jaden Rashad is not enrolled on campus because Jeff Noodleman decided to sponsor the women's basketball team for a thousand dollars. So let's just let's just make that clear, because uh, the timing of that was kind of unfortunate this week because these ladies had a really cool moment. Uh, where they were recognized, you know, kind of for what they've done. And, uh, you know, people were like, why don't they take that money and, uh, you know, and get Jaden Rashad on campus? That's not how this works. Uh, no. And, and Jeff Noodleman is, you know, he can spend his money as a CEO the way he wants to, just like Gary Condren spends his on baseball and Hugh Hathcock spends his on football. So uh, this is just a weird situation that college sports is in right now. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for somebody to blame, I guess blame Congress because they haven't stepped up and uh, fixed this mess. That's easy. Hey, let's, uh, when in doubt, blame, blame the government. Blame um, the politicians. Yeah, it um, it, it's it's you know, I was I was on with um the inside scoop today with Josh Newberg, and he says this college football's first holdout. Um, I was like, yeah, it might be, but also it, it's probably not going to be the last. Um, yeah. Like the well, way I mean, the NIL was being dealt with last week. Is, is, nah, yeah, is that's a big holdout. Play. I mean, he's technically the first holdout. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, only a Florida issue. And I, I mean the state, <laughs> the state of Florida. Yes. This is a, a Florida man headline. Florida man holds out on NIL deal. Yeah. Um, um, it's but, it, it, the ahead. significance, though, the significance of it, though, for the football team. Um, I don't think Jaden Rashad was going to start this year, uh, but let's say Jaden does not get to campus. Now you have three scholarship quarterbacks, uh, Graham Mertz, uh, Jack Miller and Max Brown, who will be will be playing baseball this spring, too. Maybe not. Uh, right. Maybe not much. Maybe not much if he has to run off and, and you know, and. And play spring football, uh, considering that they don't have many arms without Jaden Rashada on campus to, to throw. Um, but that's it. Uh, Kyle Engel is a walk on who uh, graduated. Does he stay? Does he want to continue playing football? He's had thoughts of just hanging up the cleats and being a regular person, uh, going to graduate school, getting a job. Um, and then you've got Parker Lees. Lees? Like the chips, I don't know. I don't the know preferred walk-on, yes. The preferred walk-on from IMG. Uh, he's originally from Kansas. <clears throat> I mean, it's just not a deep quarterback room. And and I was thinking, yeah. you know, even I well, I asked Billy on early signing day, um, what what numbers do you want to get at? And he's like, well, you, you want four on scholarship, maybe you want five. And and he said they're going to get one in the portal. Uh, that was Mertz, and then uh, and the preferred walk-on that was Parker. So uh, if Jaden Rashad doesn't come. Next time we talk to Billy, hey Billy, you're you're still down a quarterback. What you know? What do you do? And, and there's a quarterback who um, hit the transfer portal from uh, LSU, and that I think fans are where you kind of turn their attention to. Um, but I think if, if Jaden Rashad doesn't come to campus, Flores back in the market for another quarterback. Yeah, although I think to your point. Uh, two things to make Florida fans feel better about this thing going south. Um, the loss of Jaden, the potential loss of Jaden Rashada would hurt more long-term, obviously, than short-term. Because, as Nick said, he's not going to start uh, unless he absolutely comes in and lights it up and just takes the job from whoever wins it. Um, or the season is go south and they decide to just, at some point, turn the page and start building for the future. To me, those are the only two scenarios where he wins or injuries obviously unfortunately um but he you know wasn't going to be your starter uh that you were counting on from day one so it doesn't hurt you as much in the short term as it does long term however 
long term, you also have DJ Lagway commit. So, you know, you're going to have to figure out and have enough depth to get through this season if Rashad is not part of that room. But if Lagway comes in, uh, you know, you still have a quarterback for the future. Uh, and maybe a guy that was could have potentially beat Rashada uh, if they if they both make it on campus. So uh, now with all that being said, if Rashada doesn't make it, man, I'm getting Lagway signed up for every single online class available in the state of Texas uh, to get him to reclassify for the fall. Um, and I mean, who knows uh, if that would even be a possibility? But you know, the, the Gators obviously have the option of going into the portal as well, uh, seeing what's available in the spring after spring ball wraps up. So um, it's not like all is lost here if this doesn't work out. Um, and, and at this point, if again, if, if they can't get it resolved and this is going to drag out into the summer uh, and all the way up into the fall, as much as it might be good for us in terms of news coverage, uh, I don't think as a program they want to be dealing with that and ha- having it hang over their head. So, uh, uh a lot is going to have to get worked out here rather soon. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, in terms of on the field in 2023, I don't think this has a huge impact, you know, in, in games. Um, but it's uh, the perception. Um, and and yeah. sometimes perception can become reality. Um, that, that has long lasting, um, uh, a long lasting impact on Florida, regardless uh, of this situation, um, sure. just to even to have it drag out this long. And, and this is issue is not just an 11th hour thing. This is part of the reason why we were waiting for Billy for an hour and a half, you know, um, on, on early signing day, this issue goes back a couple months where uh, this NIL issue. So it, it's something that Florida needs and, to figure and, and, out. And, and, and if it if it gets worked out, is it the end of this issue? Does this happen again at the start yeah. of next season or going into next season? Does it does this happen again after his first year as a starter? Um, in terms of a holdout, so uh, something to think about. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into uh, a lighter topic and get and get Florida outfitter White Langford in here uh, to talk about the baseball season coming up, but. Uh, at the other side of the interview, I'm sure we'll have uh, more Rashad to talk about. And Zach, the basketball teams won two in a row. Yes, uh, they've they just need a dose of Mike White, Nick. Nah, nah, they just need a little bit of Mike White. So <laughs> uh, we'll jump in here to the first ad read and uh, and then get Wyatt Langford and welcome him on the podcast. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain and or anxiety and stress rogue shop sells cbd thc edibles smokables and vapes as well as handcrafted bath salts soaps candles massage oils pain creams and topicals rogue shop is a true small business disabled veteran owned black owned woman owned company they have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility visit rogueshop.com that's r-o-g-u-e-s-h-o-p.com happy to be joined here by wyatt langford who uh last year tied the single season record for most home runs uh in florida gator history uh quite a year but why even before that i think you had a, a an even bigger moment for you uh, was getting engaged to to your longtime girlfriend. So congratulations are in order. Thank you, thank you. Tell me a little bit about that. I, I got engaged. Uh, I got engaged uh, in August. Um, what is more nerve wracking, uh, being <laughs> up to bat with someone throwing hundred miles an hour, or sitting there fumbling with a ring in your pocket with the, with with the girl that you love? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, no, I was definitely pretty nervous, but I would say I was more excited than anything, really. It's funny because you're not going to ask the question and you don't like, you know, the answer to the question, but, but it's still, it's still really exactly. nerve wracking to, to ask it. Yeah, exactly. Now let's uh, get into baseball season. Um, it's, it's an interesting makeup of the team. And I think the transfer portal has kind of taken baseball by storm. And obviously you guys had BT last year and he seemed to fit right in. Um, I almost call him like a little version of Sully. 
who's on the field <laughs> with you guys. Um, but you get Hurston Waldrip. Um, you, you get a bunch of guys now through the portal. How is it different adding guys in terms of freshmen or adding guys in the transfer portal who maybe have more experience just in terms of, of building that clubhouse uh, culture? Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a little more work um, just having those guys coming in from different programs, getting them adjusted to our program and how thing, things work here as they've already been in that college setting and maybe did things a different way somewhere else. Why, what was, you know, just thinking back on uh, this past season, um, just like that jump for you were coming off of your freshman year where you, know, you didn't get to play as much and didn't get to show as much of what you can do. And then you just explode last year. Um, you know, what was that like having things like kind of come together for you? Yeah. I mean, it was a great, um, I mean, it was a dream come true, really just playing, being able to play for the Florida Gators. That was always my dream growing up as a kid. So I was just living the dream really. When did you, at what point, maybe you, even going through the off season or, or during the year, did you feel like things were clicking, especially from a, you know, home, Homer standpoint? Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a really good fall the before the spring last year and I knew I had a really good chance that I was going to be in the lineup a lot this the coming up year. So I guess that was kind of when after that fall ended, I kind of had a good idea of what I was capable of doing going into the spring. And then, the the move so you played uh i think like third base mostly and then catcher and when you came to florida um you had the the role of, of warming guys up as a freshman really you know a lot of innings uh sent you know squatting in the bullpen um what was the transition to left field like and and who approached you about hey let's see if we can get your bat in the lineup can you can you go and, and play some in the outfield for us yeah. Um so I, I yeah I caught all freshman year and then I caught um in the summer after freshman year and then halfway through the fall of sophomore year I was still catching and then they uh I guess the coaches as a group kind of just sent me out to the outfield and then I never really went back to catching. But the transition itself, I mean it wasn't too bad. Um it definitely was a learning curve because I never played outfield growing up or anything. Mm -hmm. Not like much, at least. So it was a transition, but I picked it up pretty easily. And it's uh, it's probably easier to transition from catcher to left field than left field to catcher. There's a lot more that yeah. goes into it uh, still. But I imagine, uh, you know, the first time you get like a, a hotline drive or a ball that's hit, you know, uh, at, at head level, you're wondering first step back, first step in. What, what am I doing? But you I think the, be the best compliment I can give you is you didn't look like a catcher uh, out there <laughs> in left field at all last year thank you yeah well the first i know i remember the first day out in the outfield they sent me out there i uh i let a ground ball roll all the way to the fence so yeah you learn quick that hey uh if a ball gets past me there's not anyone behind me to help yeah. uh and it's it, it might it's not a be run. a long it might not be a long run but it feels like you're running a mile exactly. when, when a ball gets under you uh in the outfield <laughs> exactly what um what what were some of the mo I guess what was the moment or was there a moment last year where um, you thought like hey I belong like I, I I belong here in this lineup you know at this school or or is that something you've always had I guess that self confidence but a lot of guys talk about hey something happened where I thought yeah I can do this yeah I mean I've always believed that I I even coming in coming to school I knew I knew that I belonged at Florida and that I was capable of playing. Now, obviously, uh, going through the season, Wyatt, uh, it got to a point where you chasing that record. Uh, what was that? Something that you thought about? Was it something that motivated you at all? Did you not care? Um, what was that like getting to the end and and kind of being right there with Matt? Yeah, um, I mean, I never, I didn't really know about the record. I mean, that twenty six was the record. I just, I was just trying to perform my best to uh, to just to help our team just sure. continue doing what I was doing. And uh, one of the approaches, I, don't, I can't remember if you told me this or you said it in media last year, one of the approaches I think you had was when, when you got moved to leadoff, um, a lot of leadoff guys are traditionally the, uh, the first batter is, uh, you know, Hey, go and see how many pitches you can get and, and let the guy see what he has. And I think your approach was, I think that first pitch of the game, a lot of times, is going to be a fastball. If I get grooved to fastball, 
I'm going to go ahead and swing. I think there was a couple games, four or five games, where you, you hit the first pitch of the game out for a home run. Was that kind of your, your thought process? You're like, hey, 90% of the time, the best pitch <laughs> of the game is strike one. If he throws me strike one fastball, we're, we're swinging out of our shoes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I was never a leadoff hitter growing up or anything, and um, I wouldn't say I'm a traditional leadoff hitter. So I just kind of stuck with my same approach. I mean, if he's going to – if I'm going to get a fastball down the middle, I'm not just going to take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, what, obviously you, had, you guys, you personally had a great season. Um, the team had a good season. You come up short. Uh, the season ends a little earlier than you guys would want it to, but that led into your summer. Um, what was it like? Um, just a kid from Trenton getting an, getting an email or a letter. I don't know how they do it. You can tell us how, how you get invited um, to where, the United States of America flag across your chest and to get a chance for, to play for the USA collegiate baseball team. Yeah, it was a great um, overall experience. I mean, that was always kind of a dream of mine as well. Just to, I always wanted to play for team USA. I mean, it's a great country. I mean, it's the best country in the world. So being able to represent that on the baseball diamond is, is really special. What was your favorite part about that experience and just uh, maybe some highlights from that? Yeah. Um, I guess just playing with like a lot of guys at like such a high level of talent yeah. and just getting, just getting to be around and learn things and pick up things and just, and be, um, of course going overseas over to the Netherlands was extremely cool too. For sure. I was trying, I was trying to stream it. Um, and the, the stream I got for your games was in Dutch. Um, I did not learn any <laughs> Dutch um, and I think I ended up just muting it. Uh, what is the, what's the food like in the Netherlands? Um, None of us were really too big of fans of the food. I don't even know how to describe it really. It was a try- they they had McDonald's though, so there was, was, kind of, was, <laughs> was good. Just saving grace. Yeah, exactly. Say, you find you find something familiar. Hey, there's a KFC. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Exactly. Let's go to KFC. But then yeah. you even get like weird menu items at McDonald's. That yeah, there was like, a few things that were different. Yeah, there was a few things that were different. But the McDonald's were actually extremely nice over there. It was it was a lot different. Yeah, they're not always nice over here. Yeah, exactly. And the ice cream machine usually doesn't work. Yeah, that's very true, too. Did the ice cream machine work in the Netherlands? <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> he wasn't ordering ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you had a, a chance to play with Hurston Waldrip with, with Team USA, and, and you'll have a chance to play with him again this year. Um, Florida fans probably didn't watch a lot of Southern Miss last year. What can What's the scouting report you can give Gator fans about Hurston? Um, yeah, I mean, he's really good. Uh, that's, that's really all you need to say about him, but I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, me and him get along really well. It was good to be able to play with team USA and just getting to talk to him and try and get him to come to Florida a little bit. Maybe I was going to ask, I was going to ask, were you part, were you part of that recruitment? Are you getting texts from, from Sully and Chuck being like, Hey, he's in the transfer portal. You guys are in the Netherlands. You, you, we need you to pull through for us here. Wyatt. I might have got a few, but <laughs> I won't say too much. But no, he's a great guy. I, I like him a lot. He he works really hard, and he's just a great guy. Um, why, real quick, just to circle back on last year before we start looking ahead, um, what would you say was some of your favorite moments from last year, whether personally, team wins, the homer that you hit, uh, what were some things that stand out? Well, I guess the first one was uh, my first at bat of the year, my first start, and I was hitting in the eight hole in the first game, and I hit a home run. That was really cool. That was my first collegiate home run and my first start after yeah. after my freshman year of like not playing or anything. Yeah, that, that was a really cool moment. You had what? You had like three at bats as a freshman, didn't you? Yeah, I had four. Four at bats. Yeah. Um, I think you had a week with four home runs. <laughs> <laughs> last year too um yeah. what what is that what what is that what's going through your head um i've told people um and i, and I told i told zach before i didn't want to intimidate wyatt with my uh game balls from <laughs> high school um so sorry if you are intimidated <laughs> by, by my, my college career or my my high school career um what is that moment when you hit a ball and I, i've always told people when you get a ball really well like you don't even really feel it um what is that moment, your first at-bat, hitting a home run, and what's going through your mind, rounding the bases, or do you just kind of black out and think, don't fall? 
<laughs> no, there was no uh, don't fall thinking, but I mean, there was there was a lot of emotion going on. I was I was very excited and pumped up. He wasn't as clumsy as you, Nick. Oh, he's a lot faster than me too. So it's it, I wasn't moving very fast. So if, uh, it'd be more of a trip than a fall for me. <laughs> what? What? Um. Uh, one last question about last year. What? What was the? What do you guys think you'll do in the outfield next to you? Um, I, I I know that you've played. You could play center field. Um, I know that Corey and Mikey can play that. And then obviously, um, you've got Ty returning uh, to play another corner spot. Um, replacing Judd is tough. I'm sure he's a great teammate and and obviously was a great uh, a great hitter. You guys both hit 20 plus home runs last year. Um, just what what do you guys think the outfield will be like and and um, and how do you replace Judd? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to replace someone like Judd. I mean, he was elite on defense and you can I mean, he was he had over 20 home runs his last two years, so it's it's hard to replace a guy like that. But um uh, I mean, I'm not really sure what's what it's looking like right now. I mean, it looks like I'm either going to be in center field or left field, and then I think they're still kind of battling for that uh, that other spot. We don't really have any bad options. And how how often would you be ready, camped under a ball, and then you hear mine, 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 or ball, 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 only to have Judd kind of run in front of you last <laughs> year? There were definitely a couple times I saw. I was like, well, I think Wyatt was ready to catch that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a few times, but, but that's uh, yeah, Judd covered was... a lot of ground. Exactly. Um, and Wyatt obviously turning the page uh, and getting ready for this coming season. Just what has you most excited about this team and? just kind of where you guys are at working through the off season and then certainly the talent that you guys bring back. Yeah. I mean, everything really, um, we have an extremely talented team. I mean, it, yeah, I think it's one of the best, the best team that we've had since my I've been here in the last three years. So I'm really excited. I mean, the pitching, the hitting defense, it all, it looks like it's coming together really well. So I'm excited to get going this spring. What, what did you learn? last year that can help you this year just in terms of taking care of your body and i know we talked about you know how you kind of transform your body from freshman year to to sophomore year but just that grind you know playing 56 games before you even get to um the tournament it, it, what do you do and what have you learned to to keep yourself healthy or to keep yourself strong keep your weight up things like that throughout the course of the year yeah i mean just uh i mean they do a great job of feeding us. Like, like we eat food all the time. They keep us fueled up and ready to go. And then our training staff is really good as well at taking care of our bodies. They, we, they set up massage times for all the starters and pitchers on that Monday after a three game series. And then they, they do a really good job at just helping us keep up with our bodies and uh, work on our recovery and stuff after games. How is the, the food at the new Hevner complex? I've seen some of you guys in there, enjoying that and what what has that been like for everyone thinks of it as a football building what has that been like for uh, a, a baseball player at florida to have that kind of access yeah it's amazing i mean pretty much everyone on the team eats all three meals in a day uh, i mean it's very convenient it's great it's great food for what you're getting i mean it's it's free to us free to us really so hey there's nothing to complain about it sometimes i want to go grab a plate when i walk in there mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's not it's not like it's not bad food at all. It's very good food. It's it's not Dutch food, Zach. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Look, and then uh, to, to wrap up, why you know you mentioned just how this kind of been a dream for you, uh, just being at Florida and playing for the Gators. Uh, what have you enjoyed most about this experience so far? And obviously, getting to do stuff like uh, you know with the Gator Collective and some of these NIL opportunities. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, just seeing people give back to like the program um, and like guys that are at the program now, I think it's a really good idea for like the Gator Collective and being able to be a part of it. What what other opportunities? I, I know you guys had, um, I was there at the Midtown Social, but are there any other opportunities? And I see, you know, guys uh, doing interviews like this, but have you done anything like in the community or, or anything like that? And, and, um, and I guess anything else you, that you have planned with the Gator Collective or anything you can talk about? Um, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything really planned out too much, but 
if anything yeah. comes my way, I'm always open to do stuff. Well, you're, now, you're getting into a busy time. <laughs> it's just that's, about that's to be very, very busy. Exactly. Now, one thing I'm sure you do might have planned out is uh, uh, maybe some routines or superstitions. Uh, do you have any as a baseball player that you go through? I mean, not really. Um, I try not to be very routine oriented. Sorry. Nailed it. Yeah, just because, uh, I mean, things always change, and I don't want to – like it's hard to get on a routine when you're at home for half the season and then go some like go off to a different like if you're yeah. in a region somewhere else you can't mm-hmm. you can't rely on that routine there too so just being able to adapt and just work with what you have and do you have your at bat song picked out for this year uh yeah i think i'm gonna stick with the flirt with disaster all right <laughs> yeah so that so that's a routine that is sticking yeah, that one's gonna stay probably. That, <laughs> who now tell me this? Who who was your road roommate? Um, and and would you recommend them as a roommate? Some guys are sloppy, might leave stuff on the ground, <laughs> might leave trash out. No, uh, Colby, he is uh okay. he's my yeah, he's my roommate on the road and he's my roommate here too. So I mean he's my best friend on the team, so I don't have much bad to say about him. Happy, you were happy that he uh, that he came back because uh, obviously he was draft eligible. Could have done could have done some things, but you get another year to to live and play some baseball with Colby. Yep, that is true. It's it was good to have him back. It's good, very good for the team to have him back too. Well, listen, we're uh, looking forward to having baseball back. Uh, excited to see you guys uh, take the field again, and uh, hope you enjoyed your off season. But I know you're uh, ready to crank this thing up, man. We uh, we appreciate the time today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Wyatt Langford joining us. Uh, We're going to jump to this final break and uh, wrap up this week's Gators Online podcast. Welcome back into the Gators Online podcast. Appreciate Wyatt for joining us in the last segment. And uh, I definitely think after all the wildness of uh, the recent month, fans are uh, ready for baseball season, Nick, and they're excited for basketball. And we're going to get back into, you know, the Rashada stuff and, and other stuff. But that was a nice, like, little palate cleanser. Like, hey, <laughs> the sky is falling. But listen, there's some stuff happening. If you want to check out uh, football drama, uh, you've got baseball. Track and field just started. Zach, I went to my first sporting event without a computer that. in front of me in years. Uh, Watch the uh, season opener for the women's gymnastics team. They won in a landslide. Um Nice to just sit there with, you know, a high noon and some popcorn and not have to worry about writing the story or what the storylines are. Just just enjoy some of the best athletes in the world, uh, you know, practicing their craft. Yeah. And I mean, you got a ton of talent coming back with baseball, but, uh, you know, Wyatt, obviously the single season uh, tie for the single season uh, record and home runs for the Gators. So uh, a lot to be excited about him coming back. But uh yeah, I think right now the focus for much of the fan base, uh, along with you know the streak that basketball is on, which we'll get into, uh, but it's really where is the dust going to settle in terms of certainly the early enrollee situation with uh, Rashada, but also the transfer portal window closing, I think, here at the end of this week. And, um, you know, the Gators have now added six transfers after landing uh, – the Baylor offensive lineman who, you know, you're talking about having the uh, number one rated offensive guard in the country last year in Osiris Torrance. The number two was the guy they just landed. Um, so not a bad addition there in terms of being able to plug in an immediate starter. You lose both of your starting guards with Ethan White leaving as well. So, um out of six portal additions, along with Graham Mertz, uh, just considering the fact that he's probably going to be for the starter, at least to begin the season, uh, I think Makai is probably their their most important addition that they've had so far um, up there with Jackson as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can go back and forth. Was Austin Barber a starter or did he become a starter? Um, you know, you're really only returning one starter in Kingsley Egukon. Yeah. Now you can make an argument that Austin Barber was a starter, you know, uh, uh, when he took over for Tarquin, obviously um, 
continued playing a ton and, and they had a rotation there. So you really only bring back one and a half starters and, and getting a guy in Micah, um, you know, you don't want to, I, I have a story that, that has been kind of pushed off because I don't think people wanted to hear it or read it, um, but it'll be out Friday um, comparing him and his season last year to Osiris. And um, I don't want to say he's going to be an All-American like Osiris was. You and I probably didn't know or wouldn't have projected that Osiris Torrance would have a brick outside the University of Florida, um, you know, this time last year. Um, but certainly getting someone with that kind of experience and at that talent level to bolster an offensive line that's replacing almost the entire line uh, is huge, a huge win for Florida. You want to give that last name a stab? No. After I speak to him, I will. <laughs> last name pronounced Muzuka. 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 Micah Muzuka. Micah Oh, I like that. Micah Muzuka. I mean, that's that just sounds like an all-American name right there. It's got a, that's got a, uh, sounds good rolling off the tongue. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely going to – I think Sean Kelly's going to have fun with that one. And a pancake <laughs> from Micah Muzuka. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's probably – um, probably the best player that Florida landed from the portal for sure. And, um, you know, just when you consider the help there and the premium on the line of scrimmage, getting Cameron Jackson, who's going to be an immediate starter, getting him uh, as an immediate starter on the offensive line, and then Mertz, who's probably got the leg up at least to start the season. Um, those are three really key pieces that are going to be kind of features of the 2023 team that Florida's landed here. So, uh is there a chance that they could get another guy in here before this window closes? Uh, potentially. Uh, and then I think they're going to want to save some spots for the spring too, to see uh, kind of where things stand after there's a bunch of guys that want to hit the portal then. So, but 35 out 27 in so far, you know, I think you're pretty good offset numbers there. Would you say Nick? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Something cool can happen. Uh, I don't know if fans want to hear this, but I, I think it's cool. Like last year, uh, Kyle Engel was put on scholarship for the spring semester and, and the summer semester. Um, he was not on scholarship in the fall. It didn't count towards the 85, a number that Florida was right up against um, and should be right up against. You should be at 85 yep. if you don't handicap yourself. Um, so I think there's probably an opportunity for some guys uh, who were walk-ons and, and busted their butts last year um, on the scout team and during practice that, hey, uh, we have we have some available scholarships right now, and, and we can help you um, in the fall semester and in the summer semester if that's something you want. And I think those are cool stories that probably don't get enough publicity. Um, if anyone from Florida is listening to this, let us know about those. That's a cool story that we can write. There's not a lot of great stuff to be written about Florida right now. That'd be some cool, good PR. <laughs> Um, well, and obviously, uh, I think some news this week that surprised nobody, uh, Tim Tebow as a uh, first ballot hall of famer, uh, cool moment that they had, uh, trying to mess with him and, uh, show him a list that he was not on. Um, that, that was some fun there, uh, with, uh, with the ESPN folks and, uh, and obviously Dan in there just settling into that role, Nick. Hey, no. You don't have to recruit a single soul when they would just put you on TV. <laughs> nice, cushy job. Listen, you're getting two paychecks. ESPN's paying you. Florida's paying you for another five years. It's a good day to be Dan Mullen. Yeah, it is. And uh, obviously, it was, a, it was a good day to be uh, Brad Lewis. Uh, I don't know if uh, folks got to see that story that we had over the weekend. Um, you know, if you're looking for some good stories <laughs> involving Gator football this week, this uh, is a, a really cool kind of a happenstance that uh, this UF grad had just rolling through Gainesville, wanting to try and stop by and see the football facility and uh, kind of uh, creeping outside and looking through the windows, trying to get a peek in and uh, <laughs> just happened to be right place, right time runs into Billy Napier. And then uh, instead of Billy kicking him off the premises or telling him to get lost, yeah. uh, he invite, which I think maybe some former coaches out here would have done. Uh, Billy invites him inside, has a chat with him for five minutes, and then he basically gives him free reign to tour the facility. Um, so just a cool story. And, you know, I, I think, Nick, you would agree, you know, we like 
in the offseason when we get some time and break from press conferences and games, we get an opportunity to write some stories like that. They're cool. Yeah, there's the it's just the human element. Um, and you get you get wrapped up into wins, losses, stats, recruiting, recruiting. Um, but there's a lot of good human interest stories and 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 good that happens that uh, you just don't have time to write, you know, in September and October. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right now, a lot of writing being done about the Florida basketball team. They have uh, kind of turned a corner here recently after uh, three losses in a row. Uh, they get a dose of Mike White in the O-Dome and uh, found their mojo a little bit, it seems, Zach, Nick. Zach, it, I mean, it was uh, January, but is that the most must-win game you've ever seen in the month of January in college basketball? Like, what the reaction would have been <laughs> if Mike White comes in and, and Georgia was 11-3 and three coming to that game. Florida and they were underdogs. Seven, Florida was 7-6. and six. Um, This is a coach that you wanted to fire, and he said, you can't fire me, I'm leaving. Uh, and he went to, <laughs> he went to Georgia. Um, I can't imagine. I think we would have locked the message board for at least a week. There would have been, there would have been no posts uh, if Florida would have lost that game. It felt to me – as much as a game can be a must win in January, which it sounds ridiculous, that felt like for the psyche of the program and for the fans, I made a joke earlier in the week, hey, it, it, in all kinds of weather, but I haven't seen the sun in years, it feels like. Um, <laughs> I think I think that was a must win for just the mental health of, of Gator Nation. Yeah, and, and, and also just I think for the confidence of the Florida basketball team just to have – had some games against tough opponents and play well, do some things well, but not do enough to get the job done and get over the hump and you lose some close games. Uh, you start SEC play 0-2. And, and then if you start 0-3 and, and you lose to your former coach and the fan base is reacting to that, it's just a lot, I think, of outside noise, internal uh, doubt that might start to creep in. So for them to – kind of finally go out there and be able to put it all together, have five guys scoring double figures, um, really figure some things out defensively, uh, and then just put it all together to get a win. They needed that. And then they turn right back around, go on the road on a quick tur turnaround with a Tuesday night game. And, uh, you know, an, in an interesting matchup with, uh, you know, Todd Golden and, and McMahon having both faced uh, each other in the tournament just this past year. Uh, they get matched up again, and the Gators go on the road uh, down at halftime uh, by three, and then they ended up with a double-digit win, 67-56. Um, uh, they snap LSU's 13-game home winning streak, and you know they have some guys continue to step up. And, and I think what's been maybe most encouraging for the Gators during this stretch here for them recently is that Colin Castleton, although he's just been all over the floor and affecting the game in so many ways, um, he's not scoring. I mean, he's not going out there and having 30 point games like he was early in the season. Um, and they are finding other guys to provide production from a scoring standpoint and, and just kind of step up to the plate. You know, whether that's Myra Jones, Riley Kugel, uh, Reeves has had some big moments as well. So Lofton obviously stepped up against Georgia. So um, some momentum here for this team, Nick. And uh, it doesn't get any easier now as they start going through conference play. They got number 20 Missouri coming to the O-Dome on Saturday. But um, definitely, I think, something that they needed. And, and you know, Mike White has been – or excuse me, Todd Golden has been saying this team is uh, really close to being a good squad. That They're doing some things well. They just haven't put it all together. And I think the last two games we're starting to see um, some signs of that. Yeah, uh, you got two guys averaging double figures right now. Castleton just a hair under 15 a game. Uh, Kwesi um, – just a hair over 10 points a game, but uh, Will Richard, um, Rickard, it looks has looked great in in maybe streaky at times, but has looked yeah. great. Um, and it, it's it's interesting because basketball, you can kind of get you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of us lump our football knowledge or fandom into these other sports, and it's like if you lose a game, it's it's over, the season's done. <laughs> like you can lose some basketball games and you'll be all right. You know, I'm waiting to to hear that Kevin O'Sullivan's been fired after Florida drops, you know, a Wednesday night game. 
uh, to Jacksonville or something like that. But if they're long seasons. You don't want to peak in January. You want to be peaking, you know, at the end of March. Um, yeah. So when you hear, you know, and I, I think I think what the reason I'm going off on a tangent like this because I hear you hear a basketball coach say, "Hey, this team's like starting to get it. Like they're starting to do this." And people are like, "Well, why didn't they start to get it?" Before the first game, and it's like, ah, oh, there's a bunch of new guys. And like we said, this isn't a rebuild for Florida, especially when you look at, you know, the older guys they got with like Lofton and Fudge and um, Bonham and, and Richard. And it's an older team through the transfer portal, but you still have to gel and develop and, yeah. and learn how to play with each other. And you can only simulate that so much in practice and, and in the two scrimmages that you get. Um, it, it takes some time and, um, Maybe we're seeing this team. Hey, we've dealt with some adversity, and, and now we know we can handle it. We know who we are. We're figuring out what the roles need to be and how to fill them. Um, but it certainly seems, at least, you know, getting a win over Georgia, who was a hot team coming in, and then going on the road and, and coming back against LSU, I think is a really big deal for this team and, and their confidence. Yeah, so – they took down the Tigers of LSU. We'll see if the Gators can take down the Tigers of Missouri on Saturday, uh, get to three, three wins in a row, get to double-digit wins on the season, um, a winning record in the SEC, so a lot at stake. Uh, and I, obviously a win over a top 25 team, which would be big for Todd Golden. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously things are getting ready to get cranked up on the recruiting trail as well. Uh, the dead period will end here shortly. The transfer portal window will close and uh, kind of all the focus will shift to uh, coaches getting back on the road, junior days happening and, and some final official visit weekends for the Gator. But, uh, you know, hey, they, they got uh, Makai, they got Caden Jones and, uh, you know, they're pretty close to kind of uh, completing this class, Nick, and um, kind of turning the page on, on 2020-23 and the offseason uh, with Mark Hockey. Which uh, foundation phase? Found, hey, restart it, Zach. <laughs> restart that. Um, it's uh, January 18th is the day that the portal closes, right? Yes. Um, and is that also the date where you have to declare? Obviously, we're still waiting on Ricky Pearsall uh, and his final decision whether he will be a Florida Gator in 2023 or he will be uh, – Hoping that a team, one of the 32 teams in the NFL, picks him up. Um, I have very strong opinions uh, about Ricky and what Florida's team looks like with and without him. Um, and it looks much better with him. Obviously, so the, it's a January right. 16th is that deadline. January Sorry. 16th. Okay, so Ricky's got four days. 96 hours, Rick. <laughs> uh, he's got a little bit more time than Rashada. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if we get if we get back into Rashada, um, there's waivers and and ways to get you into school after drop ad. Um, the UAA will politely ask the University of Florida admissions. for some concessions and some admissions, um, and I think there's ways to work around that. The deadline, which I guess I will call a soft deadline is Friday. Depending on when you're listening to this, Friday, January 13th at 5 p.m., drop ad ends. Uh, so Professor you're saying there's a, there's a student deadline and a student athlete deadline. I, listen, I would allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, not to say that student athletes get um, <clears throat> any kind of impermissible benefit uh, or concessions made for them. I'm just saying I, I've seen uh, I've seen it before. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, uh for Florida fans, they saw something that they've seen before uh, this past week as uh, Georgia won another national championship, Nick, uh, to end the football season. It was uh, absolutely no contest whatsoever. Uh, TCU felt a little like the Gators did against Nebraska in 1995. And, uh, well, well, listen, silver and listen. lining. <laughs> silver lining in it all. Georgia's 65 points is now the record number of points scored in a national championship. So Florida is no longer part of that record. Yeah. Nebraska scored 62, and that was the record since 1996. So the silver lining, uh, same color pants as Georgia, silver pants, silver lining. 
Georgia helped to, uh, to to erase you from the record book, at least. Nick, you sound like Florida fans talking about kicking a field goal in the bowl game. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> take the points, Zach. Take the yeah. points. But listen, there is nothing like potentially losing your top quarterback recruit the day after your biggest rival wins back-to-back mm. titles. I mean, that is just so terrible good. timing. Um, but the football season's over uh, officially now for college football. We uh, now turn the page on the offseason. We'll see where things are at once the portal closes, once this Jaden Rashada situation uh, works itself out this week. And uh, now we get to enjoy a little uh, wild card weekend. Your Dolphins in action. No Tua, Nick. Gonna catch a fat L. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dolphins, I, I think I've seen this will be the second playoff game since Dan Marino, and they got boat raced by the Baltimore Ravens uh, back in the early 2000s, I think. Um, expect them to get boat raced by Buffalo this week. Yeah, I uh, I'm a Chicago sports teams fan, so my Bears got the number one pick. I'm, I'm first good. time, first time in decades. What do they do with the number one pick? You got Justin Fields. You don't need a quarterback. Do you take no. Jalen Carter, who's an absolute monster? That's it's gonna be hard you, to pass him up. You you probably try to take take the number one pick and turn it into seven picks. You could. If, if someone wants Bryce Young that bad, um, Ch- Chicago's not going to take him. Mm-mm. So, Which then hurts your trade thing because, okay, listen, we know you're not taking the quarterback. So we're not moving up because you're not taking the quarterback. Well, obviously, uh, fans want the Gators to take their quarterback. We'll see if uh, mm. that gets worked out by the end of this week. And uh, we will be following along at Gators Online. God bless Nick Del Torre because he's <laughs> – look, look. My man, I salute him. I had my uh, start of my classes this week, and then I'm trying to write the first mailbag, and Nick has just been all over this Rashad of news, so um, props to him because it's uh, – he's probably needed uh, – he's probably needed some Excedrin. Excedrin, yeah. Uh, might take the night off and, and enjoy, a, enjoy a bourbon tonight. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can. Not not until uh, the the end has been, uh, the finish line has been reached. Uh, hopefully, one way or the other, um, we we get to a resolution here uh, in the next twenty four hours. Yeah, for sure. Well, appreciate you guys for listening and following along. Uh, we are uh, staying on top of this for you all. Uh, you know, burning the midnight oil, working the phones, and uh, that will continue. I appreciate Wyatt Langford for joining us on this week's episode. Talk about his uh, record-setting season last year and uh, what he's looking forward to in 2023. Baseball is right around the corner for the fans. Uh, Basketball's cranking up, so a lot happening in Gainesville. And we'll uh, see you guys next week to recap it all. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albuquerque.